Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, where we share the sermon of the week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. This morning we talked so much about identity and emotion and the fact that those are just a human condition, uh, but tonight we're going to talk about what to do. Uh, about that. So I mentioned this morning, if you brought duct tape with you, wrap it, go ahead and wrap it around your head because some of this stuff is going to blow your mind. So you want to be prepared for that. Okay, we're going to, as I say, jump into the deep end and continue talking about emotion. And the demons are already possessing the computer. Aaron, I'm trying. Stop, stop judging me. Aaron judged me like 11 times this morning, I got to tell. I'm a therapist, I can tell these things. I know. Okay, <laughs> we talked about this morning the fact that there are five neural regions, five areas of the brain that house the emotions, that are the central command center. Again, the emotion uh, occurs throughout the body, but the limbic system is the central command center for emotions. Uh, and there are five regions, anger, fear, pain, pleasure, and disgust. But we divide a couple of those regions up to come up with the eight core emotion. Research tells us that humans experience eight core emotions. So I know that this is true for you because everyone in here is a human. So I already know this about you. I know you breathe oxygen. I know you have blood in your body and you experience eight core emotions. So we're going to go over those eight core emotions, what they are, and we mentioned this morning that emotions are our messengers. They're our consultants. They're trying to guide and protect us. Again, for some of us, we're like, no, no, no. my emotions wreck me. Well, that's because you don't know what to do with them. You don't know how to process them. You did it really well when you were 12 months old. Somewhere along the way, you got knocked off course. You never got recoded. You got reprogrammed. And again, as far as I know, that's true for all of us. It's certainly true for me, certainly true for Phyllis. Along the way, we got knocked off course, got messed up, and we didn't do it well. And we're just now... I'm 60, so it was just really in our 50s where we got good at re reprogramming and getting back to our original coding. And that's all we're wanting to do is get you back to your original coding so you can function in your authentic self. That's when you're the best version of yourself, and that's when people can connect with you uh, the best. So the eight core emotions, let's start with joy. Joy is in the pleasure center. Again, this is true for every human on the planet. There are no exceptions. Everyone has a pleasure center. That's what we reference as uh, joy. It's very dopamine uh, oriented. And the message of uh, joy is simply that felt good. And then we want to do it again. Uh, and again and again, because it feels good. It's like, oh, I like that. Uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Joy is not necessarily good, uh, especially in our faith-based communities. We tend to think that joy is always good. Joy is what leads to cocaine addiction, because they experience a euphoric sensation. They experience joy, and it says, that felt good. Do that again and again and again. And again, and now we have a coke addict. Uh, and so, but again, joy, emotions are neutral. They're not good, bad, right, or wrong. They just are. They just exist. Just like oxygen. We don't go, where's the good oxygen? I want to get around the good oxygen. Well, no, it's just oxygen. We just breathe. We're not worried about if it's good or bad. We're just breathing oxygen. The same is true with emotion. It's just happening to us. Uh, and we just want to glean the message uh, from it. Each of us has an anger region of the brain. Again, that's true for everybody. When I was a kid, anger got a bad rap. Uh, we, everybody said anger was evil. Anger was bad. That's what uh, where most sin comes from is anger. That's actually not true. Number one, you can't avoid anger because you have an anger region of the brain. It's just neural. Uh, it's in your limbic system. 
Now, there is uh, anger is unique on this list because it serves as both a primary and a secondary, a core emotion and a secondary emotion. What do we mean by that? By secondary, we mean it's second. What does that look like? So we go to dinner with um, Eric and Cheryl. I walk up to the table. Eric looks up and he goes, "Ooh, you're wearing that jacket again? That's what you wore this morning. It must probably stink by now. And uh, I go, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't call you, Mr. Fashion Police, and check in on what I was allowed to wear to dinner. I'm showing Eric anger. But that's second, because something else happened first. What happened before it, do you think? I felt hurt, and maybe shame. I might have felt embarrassed. You know, if we were with some other people, I was embarrassed in front of our friends, and Eric just uh, embarrassed me. I got flooded with shame, and so I responded in anger, but the anger was actually secondary. Now, it's not 10 minutes later. It's a microsecond, but what I actually showed him, and if we look on a brain scan, we'd actually see that. That uh, And we mentioned this morning, the brain doesn't distinguish physical pain from emotional pain. So what my brain scan would read there uh, would be pain, 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 anger, pain, anger, pain, anger. But the anger was second. As far as I know, my theory is that no one ever connects through secondary anger. People connect through core level anger, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but people don't connect through secondary anger. And I think that Virtually all, if not 100% of secondary anger or anger that you see in interpersonal relationships is secondary anger. Anytime you see anger in someone, what's the best response to them? Okay. Give, give that person a candy bar, whoever it was. Yeah, it's the three phrases. This is our international gang symbol among connection coders. You're literally just going to go, oh, goodness, what, what just happened? For you there, what am I missing? Because what we're trying to get to is the fourth phrase, which is, what do you need? Mm -hmm. So in that moment, if I'm a good connection coder, I'm not going to respond in anger to Eric. I'm literally just going to go, dude, I felt some pain when you said that. Eric's going to do the three phrases. He's going to go, oh, what, what happened? What did I miss? Because he's just goofing off. I mean, Eric's... He's either funny or he thinks he's funny. We don't know which it is. But um, So Eric's just goofing off. He's just being funny. He wasn't trying to wound me. Again, I'm not judging Eric. I'm not saying he's evil. He's a bad person because he said what he said. I felt pain. I just did. And if I'm able to tell him that, he's able to be present with me and go, oh, okay, I get it. The, the coat issue is an issue, uh, is, is significant. It's a trigger for Glenn. And uh, he can be kinder and gentler and more careful with me next time. And I really don't care about my jacket, but you get the idea. Uh, so that's secondary anger. It's the, anger is the strongest and the longest motivator. People do crazy things through anger, whether primary or secondary. People do some pretty intense uh, things. The message of anger is power up for action. It's very um, epinephrine oriented, which is adrenaline. You get hit with anger, you power up and your body's ready for action. You're ready to do something. Again, often detrimental things, but you're ready to do uh, something. Okay, next we get to fear. Every human on the planet has a fear region in the brain. Uh, now, fear's gotten a bad rap uh, over the years in our faith-based communities. Uh, I don't want you to be a slave to fear. I don't want you to be controlled by fear, but fear's happening in your brain. You don't vote for fear. Who gets up in the morning and says, what am I going to do today? I know I'm going to be flooded with fear a lot. I've never met that person. That would be a really odd thing. So fear happens to us. We need to process through the fear, glean the message from it. The message of fear is danger, beware. There's a risk of harm. Well, that's a good message. You need to know that. When you're driving on the interstate doing 84 miles an hour and there's someone beside you driving at 84 miles an hour, it's not those dotted white lines that keep them out of your lane. It's fear. Good. 
I'm glad they feel fear because if they don't, they're just weaving all over the highway. They're going northbound on the southbound side. They're like, look, I'm fear free. And I'm like, oh, this is bad. As connection coders, we say a fear free person will soon be called a dead person. Because if they don't feel fear, they're going to do something that's going to lead to their demise. You're allowed to jump out of a perfectly good airplane. Why would you do that? Well, it's called skydiving. But you better feel some fear before you do it. Because if you don't, you're just going to jump out of the airplane. And about halfway down to the ground, you're going to go, man, the dirt is approaching rapidly. And then splat. Guess what? You did not pay attention to fear. So you didn't get a parachute that worked, that was strapped to your body that you knew how to operate. Well, way to go, dummy. Now you are de you're, you're dead, you're ruined because you didn't pay attention to the fear that was trying to give you a message. Pay attention, danger beware, there's a risk of harm. Oh, okay, I need to be prepared for skydiving. Uh, those of you who have read our book, you know the story of uh, my first skydiving experience, uh, which we're still torn on what really happened. We don't know for sure. <laughs> the video they took of me skydiving is inaccurate. What I remember is actually <laughs> the truth. If you haven't read that story in the book, you should. I laugh every, and I cry a little bit every time I read it. Okay. Uh, we each have a pain region in the brain. That's true for everybody on the planet. Uh, so therefore, I know it's true of you. Now, we divide pain up into three different uh, core emotions because they look so different on the brain scan. They appear very distinctly. But they're all three in the pain region. They just look different. Hurt is a sharp stabbing pain. Uh, literally, like if you stepped on a nail, your pain, the, the brain scan would just show this. It's almost like a fireworks display. Big, sharp pain. Uh, peaks in it and little um, explosions at the top. That's the, the what we call hurt. That's a sharp uh, pain. But then sadness also fires in the pain region of the brain, but it's more of a sustained pain. It doesn't have those sharp peaks. It doesn't have the explosions uh, on the periphery. Uh, but it's still firing in the pain region of the brain. Uh, the message of sadness is something's missing, something's damaged. Uh, you can feel sadness if you, you know, go in the morning to get a, a gallon of milk out, you drop it and it explodes on the floor. You're going to feel sad because you're like, oh, great, I didn't allow for, you know, 35 minutes to clean up all this milk that's everywhere on the floor. That's a pain experience. Again, the brain doesn't distinguish physical pain from emotional pain. You're not trying to feel pain. You're not trying to feel sadness. Uh, you just do. Uh, I, I don't know why it's not up there. That's kind of odd. But anyway, the message of hurt is uh, get rid of the pain source immediately. You, know, you don't step on a nail and go, note to self, I've got to get that nail out of my foot sometime in the next couple of days. Well, no, you instantly stop everything. Well, what if you're on your way somewhere? It doesn't matter. You have to stop immediately and get the nail out of your foot. So hurt is far more urgent. Uh, sad is more of a sustained pain. And then loneliness also fires in the pain region of the brain. But think of it as more of a chronic uh, pain. Uh, and it just says that I'm alone. I'm unsupported. I don't have people around me. I don't have connection uh, around me. But it fires, and it's more like a bar graph on the brain scan. Uh, but again, it just fires in the pain region uh, of the brain. Now, you might say, oh, well, then loneliness isn't as dangerous. It's not as harmful. It's not as bad as hurt. It's not true. This uh, research has been replicated numerous times now. I've lost count. I don't even know. I think it's in the double digits. Uh, longitudinal studies. So the first one to produce or to um, uh, publish the results was the Happiness Institute out of in Denmark. And they did a 30-year longitudinal study. Now, longitudinal studies are long. They're, uh, it takes about 32 years to do a longitudinal study because you have to set it up and then you have to accumulate all the data. 
So they're very extensive and very expensive. But the Happiness Institute, again, this has been replicated numerous times. One of their conclusions was living in loneliness, so what we would call disconnection, living in loneliness is more damaging to your health than smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. Isn't that stunning? So here's what we're saying. If uh, Eric and Cheryl are living connected, I mean, they wake up in the morning and they're just excited about living life together. They live through the day together. They go to bed at night. They're connected the whole time. And each of them smokes a pack of cigarettes a day. Good job, guys. We're nailing it. Okay. Culturally, we don't say that. We're just like, you can't smoke. You can't, you can't dip. You can't do anything. Don't even look at tobacco. Don't think about tobacco. Don't spell tobacco. So bad. Uh, I was a kid whenever the anti-tobacco campaign picked up speed. And I'm not trying to sell cigarettes, so that's not my goal. We don't have any of those back on the table. We're selling cigarettes. <laughs> so that's not my point here. I'm not in favor of you smoking. But what the research says is if these two would never smoke, they're like, oh my goodness, no. We don't believe in tobacco. We don't want to smoke. Never, never never, 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 but they're living disconnected, they're worse off. So we need to get them smoke. No, that wouldn't make any sense. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) So, but that's what the research tells us, that it's actually more damaging for you to live in loneliness, more damaging for you to live in disconnection than it is for you to smoke a pack of cigarettes a day. You've been flying through. Yes. I've been listening Well, this is a smart group. I'm just rolling. Yes, yes. Well, I just, as far as loneliness, I, I think, first of all, just for us to tune in to each other, which we talked about this morning, how important it is to really tune in. And then I think with loneliness, wow, we have really been through a season mm. of loneliness. Wow. I think for many of us, 2020 was the loneliest season possibly of our lives where we were forced to disconnect from one another, where we were forced to be alone. Uh, I know with some of these things, you may also go kind of to the flip side. I know for me, uh, when I first started learning all this and studying this loneliness, I was one of those where I'm like, I like being alone. Like, you know, you kind of, I know a lot of young moms talk about that, that they can't even go to the bathroom for a minute by themselves without someone knocking on the door you know and it's just like that craving of Mm. I would I would do anything just to have a moment alone Mm. and to realize that's not really the definition I even the way um, you've just described it in disconnection Mm. so we can be experiencing loneliness in a room with a thousand people we can be in a family unit and be can be experiencing loneliness Uh, often when I'm speaking to business owners I will say you as the business owner may be feeling very alone in the responsibility Hmm. of running this company and they really tune into that because the way so often we define a word is kind of like, oh, no, I'm an introvert. Oh, no, I'm an extrovert. And so we put titles on things. And so we go, no, no, I'm good. I'm never lonely. I like being by myself. And it's like, "Mm, your brain is firing loneliness. You need to listen. And you need to figure out when those moments happen. And it may be that you're a mom who, yes, you're surrounded by little people all day, but you feel alone in that. You don't feel supported in that. Wow. 
you feel that you're missing something. And so your brain is firing this emotion and you don't know what to do with it. You don't know how to tune into it. You don't even know how to recognize it. And that is kind of where we're going with all of these different emotions is to get to the point where you can actually tune into yourself, tune into your own brain. I love that God created us to be this way. We've just been uh, taught differently for a very mm. long time. Many of us in our childhood, where as young children, we yeah. I know that's my story. I was the youngest of eight, and I learned at a very young age the way to stay out of the way, mm. to stay out of trouble, was to be quiet. Mm. And so in that quietness, I didn't express need, yeah. wow. and I didn't tune in to what was happening for me. And I, even when Glenn and I met, I was very, very quiet. Mm. And I had learned that's kind of how you survive. We, we traveled, uh, we moved a lot. So I was constantly starting a new school. And I just learned, if you're just quiet, nobody even notices that you exist and you just go along and you do what you're supposed to do. And I didn't realize how much I was drowning in loneliness. And, you know, for me, tuning in to myself has been quite the challenge. Mm. And I, I think I mentioned that this morning, that I really saw Glenn as, you know, he has enough emotion for both of us, so I'm good. I don't do emotion. That's what I used to say over and over. I don't do emotion. No. I'm the task-oriented one. I get the task done. And he has enough for both of us, so we're fine. Yeah. I didn't realize that I wasn't fine and that I just hadn't been tuning in, and that I was ignoring what was happening. And when you ignore what your brain is trying to tell you, which is your emotion side, eventually your body gets tired of storing all of that emotion. Yeah. And at some point in your life, your body will reject and stop yeah. functioning well. And then things start to happen to your body. And sadly, I always thought it was an age thing. Like I thought, yeah, around 50. If you don't understand this, your body starts to, to fall apart. But actually, we see it in children. Mm. We see that children who don't aren't taught how to tune in and identify what's happening and express what's happening, their bodies, as little ones, begin having all kinds of skin disorders, having all kinds of things that begin to happen to them that we are, you know, f we find almost like a mystery, like what's mm. happening and sadly, if we go down one certain road, the answers we get are often not hmm. what really helps. It's simply a give them this pill or give right. them this cream to put on this rash instead of going, let's figure out what's happening for them emotionally that is bringing this about. And so in all that we do and all the research that has gone into all of this, part of it is our story, hmm. part of it is it. For me, I became very curious when I turned 50, when I was close to 50, because my body stopped cooperating and it didn't make any sense. And I became very alarmed and that's when I realized, ah, oh, I have to deal with my emotions. Mm. And I have to tune in and I have to acknowledge what's happening with me. And I have to start talking about it. Yeah, and this is one of numerous reasons we're so passionate about the Connection Codes. Because to realize that this precious little girl learned early on just to shut up. Well, that sounds nice. She was really well behaved. 
And that's what a lot of, that we want as parents, like, would you just shut up? We don't say those words, I get that, but we just want them to behave. And so she had a bunch more birthdays, meets me, I'm kind of bigger than life, and I was cute back then, uh, and very funny. So she's just enthralled with me, and she doesn't have a voice. She doesn't even exist as a human. And again, we had a lot of fun together, we really liked each other, but she didn't know how to convey. And I was missing it. I was completely absorbed with myself as well because I thought I was cute and very funny. So you can judge me if you want. Um, so we just missed this literally for decades. And this is our passion is we don't want other people to do this. Mm-hmm. We don't want anybody on the planet for literally decades to not exist as a human. Mm-hmm. And again, we're not doing it on purpose. I wasn't doing that on purpose. She wasn't doing it on purpose. We just didn't know. We missed so many things over and over and over again, and again, eventually it caught up uh, with Phyllis. Okay, last uh, region of the brain, what we call the disgust uh, center. Oh, there it is. We divide it up. It looks identical on the brain scan. Thus far, we've not been able to differentiate the appearance of uh, guilt or shame, but they look so different externally, facial expression, body language, and behavior. When people get hit with guilt, they behave differently than when they get hit with shame. Uh, their facial expressions or body language is different. Uh, so, And the word disgust is also a little bit weird to use. You can use it if you like, but uh, we, we connect and identify really well with the terms guilt. Uh, and shame, but guilt is over an action, something that I did, uh, I missed on that, and uh, shame is more over my essence. Uh, it's very identity oriented. I just feel bad about me, uh, and shame, unprocessed shame, uh, shame's the most dangerous of the core emotions. Unprocessed shame becomes toxic. So I want you to cue into all of the core emotions, both with yourself and with the other. But when somebody says shame, stop, just stop. Whatever it is, whatever you're doing, set it down, give them two minutes to find out what the shame is. Because if that shame is not processed, uh, I don't know what's going to happen later today and tomorrow and next week. So shame, again, all the core emotions matter, but shame is really crucial that we tune in uh, to that. But those are just telling us, guilt and shame is giving us a message that you missed on something. Now, our emotions are not always accurate. Uh, whenever I see that commercial of the little kids starving in India, they have flies all over their face, I feel guilt. Uh, the message of guilt is you're, you're, you're missing on something. Well, I need to check that with myself. Am I giving to anybody? Now, I can't support all the children in the world. I just, I don't have that much money. Uh, I don't have that much time. Uh, But am I a giving person? Am I generous? Am I helping uh, others? I may not be helping that one little kid, uh, but am I helping anybody? Am I being aware of uh, those around me? So we want to take a break and do an experience assignment. If you weren't here this morning, basically an experience assignment is where we just want you to, we will put it up here on the screen and uh, you'll just process through this with a a partner. So just turn to somebody beside you, maybe somebody you know, maybe somebody you don't know, it doesn't matter. Uh, Those can be some incredible experiences. Well, I I do want to say before we do this, actually, uh, I think I kind of shared a a bit about myself that it was very difficult for me to tune in to my own emotions. Um, And for some of you, you may be sitting here looking at this list going, I don't even know how to do this because I'm not tuning in to myself. I don't know how to do this. We get that. I get that very personally. And um, I think you need to explain that a little better because sometimes it's not in the moment. We would like for this to be the most current 
time that you have felt sad or the most current time and we will we will do no, this we're not doing the wheel yet we're just doing oh the, we're doing this yeah the emotion experience assignment where is that in the papers it's not a, uh, it's oh, not we'll have it up on the it. screen okay sorry yeah we're gonna do this one See, she's which so help. smart she's way ahead of us yeah i'm way we ahead of you but I, also one of the things uh, that i want to share that i've learned about myself probably in the more recent years is that i'm allergic to guilt and shame hmm. And we kind of discovered this because I have, I, we would have an incident between us and something would happen and Glenn would express his hurt. And would that be a good way to say that? Yeah. And I would say, oh, I feel really sad about that. Hmm. And he would go, sad? And I, and, and it, I think in that moment, it, it wasn't a really strong connector. And he goes, and, and I realized that I had a really hard time connecting mm. to guilt, to just saying, oh, I feel guilt that I said that to you. That was really unkind. And it, it, I became aware that, wow, I don't even, like I have to go big. Like if I think of mm. guilt, it's gotta be like really something big. And then I realized, wow, that's the same, that's the same with shame. Like, and so in really leaning into this, I realized I was raised, uh, we were missionaries in, in Germany, um, my family was, and I thought, you know, I was taught at a, at a really young age that guilt is sin, and sin separates you from God, and, and that sends you to hell. And so for me, it was always a, oh my word, I, I'm... I mean, I remember as a child almost going, okay, before you go to bed, make sure you've done the, have I sinned today? Nope, haven't sinned, so I'm, I'm good. And so I was this constant, no, I, I, don't, I didn't sin, so I'm good. If I die, I'm going to heaven. Kind of that, as a child, I was so aware of that. And, and so over years of that, I tuned totally, that is just like, it's firing in my brain and I'm not acknowledging it. Mm. And so that's been really big for me to shift in that and to realize, okay, this is firing in my brain and I need to acknowledge and I need to tune in to guilt and shame. And then anger for me is another one that's really hard for me to identify is anger. And, and I think that goes back to that childhood of uh, we weren't allowed to show anger. Mm. We weren't allowed to acknowledge anger. We were not allowed, in a sense, to have anger. So what do I do with that when that is what's firing in my brain? I call it something else. Mm. Sad. <laughs> sad is probably my go-to so often. Mm. I just feel sad about everything instead of realizing, no, I think that's really anger, actually. Mm. And so there's a different reaction to that. There's, it's like you got to get to that. So I know for some of you this might be a really easier journey for others you might be more like me and it will be a much harder journey to actually tune into mm. yourself and go wow i need to pay attention to the message because right. god put this in there to for your messenger it's your messenger for you to pay attention wow. and to be able to then say it and acknowledge it and speak it and get it out yeah and that's part of why we break this down to the eight core emotions because most of us have never even considered this before, just like, uh, well, and I should mention that, that, you know, so many people say, oh, why are they all negative except for one, you know, only joy? 
Uh, emotions are not negative. Emotions are not positive. Uh, they're not good or bad. They just are. Uh, and again, as I mentioned, joy leads to cocaine addiction, so joy must be bad. It must be evil. Well, no, it just is. Unprocessed joy is the problem. Uh, unprocessed fear is the problem. Unprocessed guilt, shame, etc., etc. So the emotions are just there. They're just existing, just like um, oxygen. Uh, anybody here know how many times they're going to exhale tomorrow? Because I do. I'm that good of a scientist. You're going to exhale the exact same number of times that you inhale. Good. I'm glad you do. And you know what? I don't care what the number is. The average human inhales and exhales 23,000 times a day. But I don't care if it's 19,000 times or 27,000. I just want to make sure they match up. So how many emotions are you going to experience tomorrow? I don't know. I don't even care. doesn't matter to me. I don't care if you feel fear tomorrow, shame tomorrow, guilt. doesn't matter. I'm not concerned about that. All I'm concerned about is if you process it the exact same number of times because that's what you did when you were 12 months old. You ever notice this with your babies? You know how often they let you know what's happening with them? <laughs> 100%. And what if it's 3 a.m.? They look at their wife and they go, you know what, I bet mom's tired. I'm going to let her sleep until 7, and then I'll let her know that I woke up at 3 and I felt some fear. Nope. They're coded to let you know. They let you know at 3 o'clock in the morning. They never wait. Well, and I get it. We're grown-ups. We have responsibilities. But as much as possible, I want you processing the emotion in the moment. That's what you're hardwired to do. Now, I'm faith-based. I believe God designed this. But if it's evolutionary, it's still the human condition. That's just how humans are coded to work. So now I'm feeling fear that this is not really going to do what I mm -hmm. want it to do. But I think I it is. That. Yes, there we go. Okay. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll do the... Um, emotion experience assignment. So just turn to somebody near you, uh, partner up and do this together. We'll be back together in eight minutes. Okay, let's go ahead and bring it back in. Because now we're going to talk about the thing that's being used literally all over the world in uh, 14 different languages as far as we know. Uh, we don't even know if they translated it well, So, because I, I only speak English. Um, but we're hoping that they did a good job with it. Uh, just so you know, the connection codes have spread to about 50 nations now. So we're kind of startled by this. This was very much my dream, but I'm semi-incompetent in a lot of areas, and we have a team around us now that are helping make this happen. But our hope is that you're on the vanguard of taking this to the world's population. Uh, you know people that only you can reach, that only you can share this uh, with and it's crucial. The reason it's so significant is because it's based on the human condition. It's not a psychology profile. It's not a personality test. Uh, it's not a philosophy. It's not a theory. It's just the human condition. If we want people to breathe, they have to have oxygen. We don't have to figure out what they need, and we don't go, oh, well, this group over here needs ice cream. They're going to breathe ice cream, and then this group over here is going to breathe sawdust. Nope. They're all going to breathe oxygen. So this is just the human condition. This is how humans uh, function. So that leads us to what we call the core emotion wheel. The core emotion wheel is just uh, about the core emotions, and this is how it works. The design of the core emotion wheel experience is that it takes four minutes. The points about the connection, the core emotion wheel that we're going to say are very, very researched. These were not delivered on Mount Sinai with the law of Moses. It was the smaller mountain over to the right that has the little trees on it. Okay, I'm kidding about all that. But it's that crucial that you do the core emotion wheel exactly the way the law of the Lord says. 
because we research this on purpose. The the way we instruct you to do it is not just uh, whatever, you know, be flipping about it. Now, every human is unique, but what we found from our research is this is what will make this effective for you. The reason that it's crucial that it takes four minutes is because our hope is that you do this every day. Now, that's tricky. What we mean by every day well, it's like every day. Uh, I had a couple come back in the, our, after their first session. I said, how did it go doing the core motion wheel? And she says, it was great. We did it almost every day. And he kind of looked at her and he said, babe, we did it once. And she said, well, I said almost every day. <laughs> I said, you're not very good with math, are you? Uh, one seventh is not that good. And she told me to shut up. So anyway, we had already connected, so it was, it was good. Um, and they're doing great now. They're very much connection coders and loving it. But the core motion wheel is designed specifically to help you do the things that we have been talking about. We want you to do it every day. And again, it takes four minutes. So we're not talking about a project here. Literally, you're getting ready for bed and you're like, oh, babe, we didn't do the wheel. Let's do the wheel real quick. And you'll get it down to like two and a half, three minutes total for the two of you. Uh, connection coders say, you brush your teeth every day, you do the core motion wheel every day. You just do it. It's no big deal. Uh, you can fly through it. But what we do is convey something to another. You can do it by yourself. A lot of people use it in prayer. But if you're with somebody, you're going to convey uh, something connected to that emotion that has happened uh, to you. It, it, ideally speaking, it's current. It's recent. It's something that's happening for you now. But if it's not current, that's fine. It can be the last time it happened. If not the last time, then a big time. So you might say, I might be doing the wheel with Phyllis, and I may go, let's see, guilt, guilt. Uh, let's see, when's the last time I felt guilt? Um, well, let's see, it was a big time. Oh, I felt guilt when I was in fifth grade. I stole money from my mom's purse, and I felt a lot of guilt about that. Well, that was before I met her. It didn't involve her. But what we're trying to do is retrain your brain to recognize the emotions, and worst case scenario, and I don't want any of you smart alecks to do this on purpose all the time, I'd rather you make up something and be fast than to be totally accurate and slow. So I don't want you to sit there for three minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, and go, hold on, give me a minute of fear. I'll just hold on, let's just sit here for a couple minutes, let me think. Because life happens fast. What we're doing is retraining your brain to recognize emotion in the moment so that tomorrow afternoon, Cheryl can turn to Eric and go, oh, the three phrases. What just happened with me? What am I missing? Oh, babe, I felt hurt by what you said a couple of minutes ago. And she's going to recognize it because she's retraining her brain to recognize the experience of the core emotion. Uh, and I don't know Cheryl and Eric that well, but... For most of us, we have been suppressing, ignoring, setting aside, pushing aside, denying emotions so long, we don't even recognize it. Phyllis shared about that as far as guilt. She didn't even know what guilt looked like. Loneliness, she didn't even know what loneliness looked like. And this helped train her, retrain her brain. We call it retraining because you did it well when you were 12 months old, when you were 15 months old, when you were 18 months old. Somewhere along the way, you got knocked off course. So a couple things about the wheel real quickly here. Uh, joy's in the middle because everybody loves joy. Uh, that's our goal. And the other core emotions help keep us in joy. Uh, you know, if you uh, feel fear about jumping out of an airplane, good. I'm glad you feel fear because that keeps you in joy because now when you land, you're like, oh, I'm flooded with fear. If you didn't have, I mean, I'm flooded with joy, sorry. If you didn't have fear, you splat on the ground and then you don't feel any joy because <laughs> you're now deceased. 
so anger at the top is blurry because there's two of them, the primary and the secondary we talked about before. They look identical uh, on the brain scan. They look identical on the core motion wheel, but they're actually two uh, separate things. Again, secondary anger is not pretend anger, artificial anger, substitute anger. It just happens second. Something else happened first. The core emotion is connecting in relationships. The secondary emotion uh, is not. Uh, and then lonely is so the one all by the edge of the wheel all by itself. You can barely see it. It barely exists. Uh, and that's what's happening uh, with loneliness. Okay, anything else about that as far as before we do it? Well, I, I do have a few thoughts, but I, I think we should have started with saying that we're ending tonight with questions. So mm. if you're thinking, oh my goodness, I have so many questions, there's a moment for that that's about to happen. So hold on to your questions, and we do want to get to those questions. This tool, we have heard, can also be used as a weapon. Mm. So it is really important to remember all the things we talked about this morning as far as giving each other space. So if Glenn or I share with each other, I felt hurt by what you said, the response is some form of, oh, wow, what did I miss? What's happening with that hurt? You are, you are wanting to connect, and I think most of us have lived a lifetime where we go, hurt? Well, what, what, what in the world? Why are you hurt by that? I was just telling you that the, the gutters are leaking. And we get defensive, and, and it shuts down. If the person is smart, they're going to go, I'm not sharing that with you again. Mm. You're not safe for me. Well. But if we make space and we go, we become curious and we're like, oh, wow, okay, what's happening with that? We'll hear the rest of the story. And, and I, I'm not sure, I know for me, I have lived a lifetime of needing to defend myself. Hmm. I don't know where that came from. I don't know if that's from my childhood. Being the youngest of eight, felt like I had to always defend myself. I don't know. You know, maybe it's just, it's our sinful nature, not sure, but it's mm. so destructive yeah. that we feel like, no, I, I have to be right. Mm. I have to prove that I was not a bad person. You said I hurt you. No. That can't be true because I don't hurt people. Mm. And so we defend and we defend instead of realizing, <clears throat> hey, I need to make space. Somehow what I said hurt you and that's valid. That's your experience. So this is not to be a weapon <clears throat> at all for each other, for the relationships you're in. This is actually to make space. Uh, we have, I think most of you have probably gone back to the table, but we actually sell one that is just emojis. A lot of kids love this. Mm -hmm. Kids are so much closer to their original core mm -hmm. self, right? They've not quite been reprogrammed yet. Mm -hmm. So they love being able to tell you about their day. This is wonderful to have at the dinner table. It's incredible to hear children at a really young age connect to what's happening with them, connect to their emotion. And it will help you, whether you are a teacher, whether you're a parent, whether you're a grandparent. It's an incredible way to connect with kids when you use these kinds of tools and you get to hear what's really happening with them. And you know that your response is simply going to be, oh, wow, okay. And when you're doing this, you don't interrupt each other. You don't ask questions in that moment. 
In that moment... Can I, can I clarify that real quickly? The core motion wheel is a staged uh, experience. So we're not using the three phrases. We're not uh, pursuing anything here. This is just an opportunity to ooh. Because what we're doing is retraining his brain to know that anything he tells you, you will ooh him. You will be present with him. You will be safe for him. Now, I don't want him to say this, but literally, if he said to you, uh, I feel sad that I married the most worthless woman on the planet, I literally want you to go, oh, wow, hmm, okay, that's four oohs. Now, I don't think you're the most worthless wife on the planet. Uh, I don't encourage him to say that if he wants to sleep well tonight. But even if he did, and here's the thing, Phyllis and I have been doing the core emotion wheel every day so long that we know our brains have been retrained to recognize no matter what I convey to her, she'll be safe for me. She will be present with me. Do I always convey it perfectly? No. Do I always convey it well? No. Do I always convey it from a position of vulnerability? No. Do I always convey the exact core emotion? No. But I know that she's going to be present with me. We did that because we were able to do that now because we did the core emotion well so much and she ooed me no matter what I said and vice versa. No matter what she says, I just want to go, oh. Hmm. The ooh is not agreeing. The ooh is just conveying that I hear you. I'm present with you. Again, I present things inaccurately at times. Everyone's narrative is inaccurate. There's nobody who, their narrative is exactly accurate. You know, you said it happened 13 times and it was exactly 13. No, it's probably 12. You missed it. Well, whoop-de-doo, I don't really care. That's what we call it, the court case. Phyllis mentioned that uh, this morning. I'm not trying to create a court case here. I just want you to do him. Now, we use the three phrases in real time because, so can I cover that real quickly? Because our goal, oh, great Scott, Aaron, where is it? There it is. Um, I blame Aaron for everything. <laughs> Poor Aaron, he's like, I just met you and I already don't like you. Um, I get that. Uh, the core motion wheel is not the goal. The core motion wheel is a tool. It's an exercise. Uh, you know, when you go to the gym and you work out using this weight machine, well, that's not the goal. You're never going to do that in real life is do this weight machine thing. You're actually training your body to do something else in real time in, in, in your life. So the core motion wheel is a tool uh, to use uh, because our goal is for you to process this in real time. You get really good tomorrow afternoon at recognizing, oh, wait. And then you use the three phrases with yourself. And you go, what just happened for me? What am I missing? Oh, babe, I felt some shame earlier. You know, when that guy came over and we were talking to him, and I just felt flooded with shame. I felt less than. I felt inadequate. I felt incompetent, whatever. He didn't seem to regard me. Uh, he didn't ooh me at all. He didn't seem interested in me at all. And now I'm able to process the shame with her. And again, I can feel shame that's connected to something that Phyllis did, but I'm not blaming her for that. I just felt shame. There's plenty of times that she does things that are actually good and right, and I experience pain in it, or I experience shame in it, or I feel guilt, or I feel fear. It's not her fault. I'm not blaming her. I'm not indicting her. I just tell her that in that moment, I felt fear, I felt pain, I felt sadness, loneliness, hurt, whatever, and she's able to ooh me and go, and then she uses the three phrases. But again, during the wheel, we simply ooh because we have two minutes per person. Two minutes divided by eight emotions is 15 seconds. You only have 15 seconds per emotion, so we don't have any time for a discussion here. We're just uh, retraining your brain to recognize the emotions. One thing that can happen in doing this is that you may hear something you've never heard before. Mm. <clears throat> and often we have encountered people who said, I did it once, 
and it went so poorly, I'm not going to ever do it again. I get that. But the tool is to actually get you to a point of deep right. connection. Nope. You can live without that in relationship and go, don't want to know what he's really thinking. Hmm. Don't want to know about his emotion. Don't want to know what she thinks. Okay. But then you're not going to be able to live in deep connection. Hmm. Yep. So sometimes you have to go through the pain of hearing truth, hearing what that other person is experiencing hmm. before you can really get to that deep connection. Yep. Okay, so let's partner up. Well, well we're going to do this for you. Oh, yes, we're going to do it first just to show you yes. uh, how we do it. Yeah, good point. Do you want me to go first? Sure, that'd be great. All right. Felt a lot of joy yesterday because I love going on road trips mm. with you. Yeah, I get that. Cool. Felt sad, though, that we missed each other mm. pretty early in the trip. Yeah. Felt guilt that I hurt you with my mm. words. Wow. Mm. Felt loneliness in that. I feel lonely yeah. when we have conflict and when we disconnect. Mm. Felt hurt by some of the things you said mm. to me in those moments. Felt uh, fear in just all the details of getting here, not knowing, mm. um, really had never met these wonderful people, Hannah was the one we had communicated with, but there's always fear for me because never quite know what we're walking into. So had some fear. Um, feel anger that um, I have a Y membership and I think I went twice last year. <clears throat> I think I feel shame in that, that I can't get my routine going. And then I that I get stuck so often in in that. I feel a lot of shame in that. Yeah. I think that was eight. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you. Mm. Uh, and I assume that laughter was all forms of an ooh from everything. <laughs> we, we don't typically laugh. I get it. We don't we're to be careful about that. I heard you though, I felt you. <laughs> I feel shame. <laughs> well, you do, huh? <laughs> Okay, <laughs> for me, yes, uh, day before yesterday or whenever it was, we were driving. Uh, it rained really heavily at one point. We got stuck between some 18-wheelers and mm. a concrete barrier. Yeah. I felt a good bit of fear on that. Yeah, I get that. Tried to get me to pay attention because it was pretty intense. I feel a lot of joy road tripping with you. Yeah. I just love it. Oh, I could it's drive just anywhere, everywhere all mm. the time. A lot of joy. Yeah. Uh, and I feel a lot of guilt because we miss so much. I miss so much with you, especially mm. over your past pains. Thing, I learned things about you oh, yesterday yeah. that I'm like, how in the world have I missed this? I've been with you for mm. 44 years, and I really missed a lot wow. uh, for yeah. a long time. It's really sad. Uh, and I felt hurt. Uh, I you know, felt with some of the things that you said yesterday mm. that were just really deep and yeah. uh, intense. Uh, and then I also felt hurt being the, the pastor this past week that totally rejected us, very large mm. church that was excited about us being there. And yeah. he said, nope, we're going to focus on the Holy Spirit, which I'm 100% for, just so you know. But they also, he's, yeah. it's a long story, but uh, there was some pretty deep hurt in that because I was excited. I We've poured a lot of time uh, into his church staff. Uh, and I felt anger about that because I'm mm. like, oh my gosh, he just, he doesn't know what they're missing. And I wow. get it. He's going through a bunch of personal stuff in his own life, but... Uh, uh, I just hate it that he yeah. can make that decision for a congregation of literally thousands 
uh, of people. I feel loneliness at times in that, uh, yeah. just how in the world do we get this message out faster, better wow. uh, to more people? Because it's a pretty big task uh, mm-hmm. that's in front of us. Uh, and I feel so much sadness for a hurting world. You know, we yeah. miss each other occasionally, but I think back to when we missed each other every day, all yeah. day long. That's where most people live, and that's mm-hmm. so sad, so, so much painful. Wow. So much pain uh, in it for me. And then I feel shame in that, that I'm just not better at leading a worldwide mm-hmm. movement. You know, that I, and I love having the team around this, but I wish I was more competent and capable yeah. uh, of handling more. Uh, I'm really good at a few things, but a lot of things I'm not good at uh, at all. Yeah. Wow. Okay, we're going to set the timer, and let's do um, eight minutes here. Again, you'll only need four minutes because you're so good at this. Uh, so turn to a partner and share the eight core emotions. Okay, we're going to jump into some questions and answers here. We do want to say a couple things real quickly. Do your own research. This is July 31st. Try this in the month of August. Do it every day. Literally every day. What we mean by every day is like every day. It takes four minutes or less. Uh, you'll be startled at where it takes you by September 1st because we're retraining your brain to recognize core motions in real time. So please do your own research. Prove me wrong. And you will write me an email at the end of August going, whoa, that was funky. Okay, so... Just a couple of housekeepings. We want to give you a chance to ask some questions the last few minutes. On the back of your sheet, if you didn't do the QR code earlier, we want to give away um, some merch. If you don't, if you don't need the book, you already have ten copies. That's fine. We'll give you something different besides the book and the playbook. But use that QR code to um, click in so that you can win something. Well, you know what? It won't do it again. I think it will only do it one time. So if everyone has done it this morning, then we'll repick a winner from this morning. But yeah. And let me tell you something. I kid you not. You want to do your Christmas shopping right now? People will mm-hmm. thank you the rest of their lives for That's this true. book as a Christmas present. And it's pretty darn cheap for a Christmas present. So I kid you not, and you can get them a toaster. I'm not against it. I love a good toaster. Uh, but they won't thank you for the next three years. They won't go, oh my gosh, that toaster saved my, changed my life, changed my marriage. Uh, you get them this book, it really does. Uh, people are being affected in a powerful way all over the world. And they will come back and thank you over and over again. And now that you know how to use this tool, this is a magnet. It's great to put these on your fridge. And this is a laminated that you can carry around with you or use as a bookmark. Yep. And they're on the back table or the table over there. Yep. So uh, we want to have a time for questions. Hannah, are you going to be the microphone? No, Hannah's pregnant. She's not going to be the microphone person. Okay, okay. All right. So if you have a question, there we go. Beth Vincent, stand to your feet. I'll hold the microphone. All right. Okay. I have, um, like, as far as your emotions, um, like, I guess I always feel like a double emotion, like bittersweet, like for a lot of things. And um, is that, like, does that show up on, like, the scientific thing, like your core, whatever, is two places? And then another one, like, what would you class- classify an emotion of, like, being embarrassed? 
Yeah, great question. Uh, number one, we can experience all eight core emotions at the exact same time, literally. We know this from brain scanning, so humans are very complex uh, beings, so we're able to experience all the emotions. Uh, I always say every human is unique, so I can't uh, pinpoint necessarily for you, but typically when someone feels embarrassed, it's probably a shame experience. Uh, and again, brain scanning is very expensive, but you could get hooked up to a brain scan. We can read your emotions with about 93.7% uh, accuracy rate. Uh, but probably it's a shame experience. Typically it is. I love that question. And it, earlier someone asked, what is overwhelmed? What emotion is overwhelmed? And, and I think that what's so incredible is if you really tune in and you go, wait a minute, overwhelmed is not one of the core emotions, so I need to figure out what is happening with me. And when you think about how we communicate with each other, like someone walks in and says, I'm so stressed out, if we don't get them to slow down and go, what's happening with that, and we don't get them to actually get to the core, we think we know what stressed out means. And so we simply kind of pat it instead of digging deeper. Because for all we know, what the person is stressed out about isn't at all what we think. Or when a mom says, I'm overwhelmed, we just go, oh yeah, me too, girl. Shoot, those kids are driving me crazy. But we don't really tune in and we're not really going, what's happening with being overwhelmed? And we might find out that they feel a lot of fear that they're incapable of taking care of these children. Or they feel a lot of sadness because they're tired all the time. So it is getting your friends, getting each other to actually really go to the core to figure out what is really happening. And that's how you process it and get it out of your system. Yeah, and, and let me add, because we didn't say this before, part of the power of the core motion wheel, which leads you into doing processing the emotion in real time, we mentioned this morning, humans connect through emotion. This is what our research has shown us. When I get her to turn to him and say, I felt fear, the fear region of his brain activates typically on a lower level than what she's experiencing, but it becomes a shared human experience. So now she's, he's feeling fear simultaneously with her feeling fear, and they're bonded through that. And now we understand scientifically what makes this so connecting uh, for people. Uh, again, I get it, we use lots of words, but all other emotions are a hybrid or some level of the eight core emotions. For example, terrified, well that's just the maximum level of fear but it's not a separate region of the brain. There's not a terrified region of the brain. It's just the fear region of the brain. It's just the maximum of fear, terrified, petrified. But way down here at the other end are gonna be words like uncertain. Yeah, I kind of feel uncertain about that. Oh, what's happening for you there? What am I missing? I think there's some fear. I feel some fear about this. Uncertain, apprehensive, dread. Those are all different levels of fear, but they all fire in the fear region of the brain. Okay, right here. Hi, so um, I'm the type of person that uh, wants to sit down and talk, you know, emotions and process things uh, with my wife. But the thing is, she's the complete opposite. She deflects, uh, doesn't matter uh, what her mood is, what the situation is. And whenever I see her deflect, um, I just want to ask, why, what's the problem? Why don't, want you, why don't you want to talk about it? So my question to you is, um, what is a better way to handle her deflection of uh, a current situation? Yeah, good question. Is she here? Okay, <laughs> I didn't think so. She has um, to work. She, she no, she has to work. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, so number one, um, 
you, you need to be able to convey to her the core emotion. My guess is, and I don't know you, so this is, you know, sight unseen, uh, but the power of the, connection, of the core emotion wheel and the connection codes is, for someone like me that looked so emotional, it helps me narrow it down to eight. There's just eight. So for me, for so many years, and I feel so much shame in this, I would start these wonderful conversations with Phyllis at 11, 15 at night, and they were three to four or five hour conversations. They were awesome. This poor girl checks out at 10.01, okay? And I literally did this thousands of times with her. At, so this was at 11.15. By 11.20, she's done. She was already done. But she's really done. And I literally would keep talking for another hour and a half. And then, if you can believe she was so wretched, she would fall asleep <laughs> at like 12.45. Because she didn't even care about me at all. Again, that was what, what I was experiencing. Is she didn't even care about me. This poor thing has to get up at six. She's going to work or she's got babies that are going to get up. And it was really, really horrific. So for someone like me, and it sounds like maybe you and I are similar in that, it helps boil it down so that it's manageable for her. For somebody like her, who doesn't even think she experiences any core emotions, it draws her out. And again, that may be similar to your wife. That helps her because she does this every day. She's going to come up with the eight core emotions. She probably will do it very poorly at first. That's fine. You're going to do it every day, so it doesn't matter. So she's literally, tomorrow, she's going to do it. I do all eight core emotions. She's going to make up six of them. I literally don't care. If she says, I felt fear that I was kidnapped by that drug cartel and taken to Mexico, I want you to ooh the girl and go, oh, mm, yeah, okay. I hear that. I mean, would that be a fear experience for her? You better believe it was. Again, that didn't really happen. I don't care if it happens. I don't care if it's accurate. I want her to be able to convey that because uh, it, it's retraining her brain to recognize it and touch it. Another piece of that that he shared and was honest about is that for him, it was, I can't go to sleep until I tell you all this. And so he would wait until, you know, he needed to get it all out. And I was already comatose. So the timing of that really worked against us. But also, and I, of course, don't know you, don't know your wife. But for me, I was also very task-oriented. So if, because he would say, well, there's never a good time. And I'm like, well, because I have a million things to do. And so it was me learning to express my need. I need your partnership. I, can we talk about this while we wash the dishes? The, 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 you know, the kitchen is overrun with dirty dishes. And so he became aware, because he was definitely a, let's sit down and talk about this. And I'm like, I cannot sit down. It's very difficult for me to sit down. I have way too much to do to ever sit down. And so I had to learn to express, and he tuned in, and he realized, oh, if I wash the dishes with her, then... I was a good listener during the time that we were doing all this work. And so your, your, your wife may be having a hard time expressing her need, and so she is not able to really process emotion with you. Yeah, and I would say real quickly, use the three phrases with her. Literally say to her, hey, babe, um, I'm just curious, what happens for you whenever I share all this stuff? I feel like I'm missing something. I'm a little slow sometimes. I'm a little dense. I miss things. Could you catch me up? Because you really matter to me, and I want to know what's happening for you. And I hope you see how the three phrases, they never get old because we're constantly using different uh, variations of it, but to find out what happens for her. And again, I don't know her. I don't know you. My guess is she gets pretty overwhelmed 
pretty quickly. My guess also is she cares about you and she doesn't know what to do with what you're experiencing. And so she's trying to help you from a good intention, good motivation, and so she tamps down your emotions so that you won't be experiencing this anymore. And she, again, I don't know her, but she probably doesn't realize that that actually makes it worse, uh, not better. So find out what happens for her in that situation. So, yeah, we want to we want to have a connected family, and there's five kids, and so we're making plans already, you know, on how we're going to do this. But um, would you recommend doing the wheel, like, as a family, we all sit down so everybody hears? Or, like, we know, like, um, Karen Purvis talks a lot about one-on-one, and so do we maybe make that 10 minutes of one-on-one time with my daughter, and we do the wheel just her and I? Or do you think as a family, to connect it, a connected family would be better to sit around on the couch and all do it together? What would you recommend? Great question. It, it's really opportunity. So if you, you know, share a meal together, whether it's whatever, dinner, breakfast, lunch, and you share a meal and you have the time to, and remember, this is a really quick exercise. It is not a storytelling time. It's the quicker, the better. And uh, I've known families that, that make it a game. Um, our grandchildren suggested we get a, uh, we, a um, Frisbee made. So you throw it, and as soon as you catch it, you get to say the next emotion. And then the next, you throw it. Well, that's as fast as you want to go. So with children, you have to realize this needs to be a really quick thing. I do know parents who do it when they put their children to bed. So, you know, if you are in a room with three boys and you're putting them all to bed, then do it with all three at that time. It's very connecting for children, though, to hear each other's emotion. To hear what's happening for each other is really, really great. Okay. Hi. I have a question about middle child syndrome. Um, I have three grandchildren. They're very close in age, like two years apart. So there's like one, three, and one just turned six. And the middle one is struggling a little bit, like... um, you know, we'll see some screaming. I mean, he's a great person, but he's just frustrated, I feel like. So do you have any advice for that? Well, all of these tools that you've learned this morning and tonight are so much into tuning into what's happening with that child. Whether they are in the middle, they're at the end, depending on how many you have, you kind of lose track of that even. But to realize, okay, he's not feeling hurt. She's not feeling hurt. Something is trying, this child is trying to get your attention. And, and it's, it is, it is something where it's like, okay, I need to slow myself down to figure out what is happening with this particular child. And it may be within the family unit, but it actually could be something that's happening at school or in the neighborhood. And when you're able to become that safe place and you use a tool where they learn the language to be able to go, well, I feel really sad. Uh, we're working with a family right now that's only two children and the oldest is saying to, the, to her mother, you don't love me, you love my little brother more. So that's an interesting scenario there because this, and part of it is the, the younger brother uh, at 18 months almost died and was in the hospital a long time. And so he got all of the attention for a long time in that part of his life. And so the older one just needs to be heard because what's happening is the mother is constantly, but I do love you and let me prove it to you and look what we've done. And well, that doesn't matter. That oldest child is feeling like she is not 
important in this family. And she just needs to be heard every day, all day long. She needs to be validated. And there needs to be space for her where she can say, I don't feel loved. I don't feel important. And the answer to almost every question is going to be the three phrases. Literally to say to this little one, and again, you you make it authentic in the moment, but you're literally going, oh, what's happening here? I feel like I'm missing something. Catch me up. Uh, I, I think I'm missing something. And we used the I missed it because we found there was so much power in that. In other words, I can say to you, you need to explain yourself better. Uh, right. You have not done a good job explaining this. You need to make it clearer for me to understand. Try selling that to anybody on the planet. Can't do it. Whereas if I'm saying to you, I think I might be missing something. No, I'm missing it because you've done a crappy job explaining it. <laughs> but I'm just going to frame it that way. That Hey, could you help me get that? That sounds important. That sounds like it matters. Could you help me get that? Because I think I'm really missing that, what's happening uh, for you there. And it's such an invitation. Uh, you're inviting the person into their own experience, and you're just going to be safe for them. Okay, here. Yes. Okay, um, I have two quick questions, if you don't mind. The first one is, like you said, make it quick. But when you guys displayed it up there, it wasn't like a quick thing. So how would that look for a child to express throughout the day what they felt throughout the day very quickly how do I get them how do I explain that or how does that look are you saying the core emotion wheel yeah right, but that's, that's a stage scenario that's an enactment which takes four minutes or less I, but in real time I'm just saying to Phyllis Ooh, I felt some pain there and she goes oh what's happening no I think you're talking well, about she said, this assignment and, and I appreciate that so you're an efficient girl for sure if you thought that was slow so I appreciate that about you um, and uh, you get a lot done I think in your life but <laughs> you know we've experienced people where they actually take five minutes to talk about their fear they take five minutes then another five to talk about their anger and another five and before you know it it's a 40 minute on this one person so what we just did i didn't time it but it was probably five minutes or less for the two of us to do that for you guys so it's not a one word answer we're not looking for one word answers so your children um it may take a minute and if they've had a pretty big emotional day like they got hurt at school that story might take a minute you know so you kind of have to be sensitive to that because you sure don't want to cut them off but you also want to make it so that the longer it takes the more unrealistic it is like as in if you're trying to have dinner and you only have a 30 minute window for dinner uh you know and you've got six of you sitting there you're gonna go okay each person only gets about five minutes so should i set it up like um, look at the emotions and think about all any of these emotions you felt anytime today so they can have it ready. Yeah, that's a great way to do it. And then a second question is, um, so I have a 20-year-old son who's moved out and is going through, I, I, I call the rebellion stage against everything he's known to life. Um, Mm. It's hard. And I invited him here tonight, and he mm. came, but then they left because he said he didn't want to be here. And I said, well, why did you come? He said, because you made me. Mm. And I said, I didn't make you. I just said it would be a good idea for you to come. Mm. And so how do I, for him, he's not really expressive mm-hmm. or, you know, 
I can tell there's a lot of anger and frustration just how, you know, do I yeah. do this with him? And he doesn't yeah. live in the home, so how do I, th- I, I do I think it? a lot of times to repair relationships, you you it's the three phrases. It's the even the acknowledgement of, I think I've missed it with you. And what's happening with you? No judgment, no criticism. It's just, a, I think I've missed something. And and slowing it down, like even going, I, I, I do want to hear what I've missed. And and there is such a patience with a, with a disconnected relationship. It's not a quick fix. It's not, because there there's something where he doesn't feel seen, he doesn't feel safe. And so it's like building that bridge back. It's, it's giving the space of, but even for children to hear their parents say, I think I've missed something with you. And even just sharing back and saying, this weekend I learned something. And to just say what your experience is, what you've learned. And even for you to say to him, I, I feel a fear that, I, that I'm going to not get this back with you. You're expressing, like, use those words. I feel a lot of sadness. I feel guilt that I've missed this with you. And don't expect him to do this at this point with you. And again, you're just trying to invite him into himself. Uh, and oh, I feel some fear here because I don't want to hurt you unnecessarily. But don't ask him why. Never ask why. It just doesn't connect. And so when you say to him, why did you leave? Don't ask him why. Literally just say to him, hey, what was happening for you when you left? I feel like I'm probably missing that. I'm a little slow sometimes. I, I just, and you're really important to me. And I want to know what was happening for you in that situation. Catch me up so that I know you better. Again, this is just your position of vulnerability that you're just asking for assistance from him to cue you in on what was happening uh, for him. Because of time, we just have one more Very question. Very good. This we will be our last re- question. We told our nursery workers time. that yes. things Yes, and we do in. have a winner. Let me say that first just okay. in case someone needs to leave. Uh, Marsha Young. Where's Marsha? Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Yay. No, you do yours. Okay, this will be our final question it. right here. Congratulations, Marsha. Yes. Okay, this is, uh, this is Pastor Miles. Um, so my wife and I, we have two small kids. One's about to be three, and one is 17, 18 months. And so lots of fun, lots of emotions. Um, not a whole lot of reasoning. And so with us, because there's a lot of no's, and you understand. So what do we do with them at this stage to help them... I, I, I don't want to control their emotions, but just to help us have more peace and to help them have more space to grow, I guess. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, I do want to plug, next month we're coming out with our parenting masterclass using all of these tools in your parenting. And it's it's with our oldest daughter who has five children, three years old up to 17. And I love the way she teaches this. And it's so raw and real in how, because you're at a perfect place, a perfect time, but you guys have to learn it first. So you, it's kind of like for all of you who are parents of young children, it's a great time for you to learn it with each other 
and get really good at it really fast because this is a new language and then you'll be able to use this with your children. And I love watching our kids do this with all of 10 of our grandchildren. They are so in tune. Matter of fact, if you go to our website, there's, uh, no, it's on Instagram, but it's, I don't even know what that's called, but a thing that you save your stories and one of them is is called kids and it it shows you uh, like uh even videos of kids doing the wheel our our grandkids doing the wheel and at a very young age children understand emotion and you're the greatest teacher right and it's them having a voice so for you though even with babies to be able to to express uh, what's happening with you I hear my daughter say that when they had when all of them were babies what's happening with you it's like a a calming what's happening with you is there fear are you sad are you hurt you know it's it's they are now listening and hearing the, the words and they tune in. Just like we teach children what, this is your nose, this is your ear, right? We teach that as parents. So you're teaching them the words of emotion. That's wonderful. Yes, thank you so much. Hannah? Wasn't this amazing? Yeah? Come on. So... This is my, my plug, I guess, at the end of this, because I invited them to come. Um, if you follow me on Facebook, you see I, re I read a lot of books. <laughs> and when I read their book, I devoured it. And so if you're sitting here and you're like, oh, well, I've already heard it. We read the notes. We did it all. I'm going to tell you they touched on a lot of great things, but some of the things like the why, when you said the why, I don't know if you talked on that this morning when I was with kids, but some of the things that they've said or that they haven't said were actually, they're in the book and it was the most applicable thing. Um, as I was reading their book, Ryan is very good with emotions. I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm more of the, oh, that... I'm more with you, Phyllis, like I can't, and he's the more like, let's talk for 40 minutes about this or into the 12 o'clock, one o'clock. I'm like, I'm done. I would have went to bed hours ago. And the wheel was an absolute game changer. And it, it, I'm not to the point where I can process stuff immediately, but I know I'm like, all right, at the end of the day, like come hell or high water, I'm going to have to process this and we're going to work through this. Or in the moment, it's like, oh, am I just upset? Is it just me? Is this worth saying? This is me. This is my internal. Is this worth saying? Is this not worth saying? It's probably just me. It's not. But by the end of the day, there's a little bit of clarity and it's like, okay, well, this is worth saying now or this isn't worth saying now. Um, so I know it can seem, and he, and we do it in that short time because it has to be. Because I'm like, hey, I'm going to bed. Like, we're doing this. It's four minutes. It's done. And so I just want to say that it's super applicable. Um, I would encourage you to get their book because it completely changed the way that I communicate. And it's so easy. Like, you're reading the book and you're not like, oh, like, yes, he's really smart, right? He's a doctor. <laughs> but you're reading this book and you're like, it's so simple. Like, a third grader or like a baby, a three-year-old, they can do this. And um, for me, it was even with my kids. I was like, oh, wow, my kid's been acting out. Like, Davina, we were having a rough couple, like a rough couple weeks. And I'm like, what is going on here? And I'm laying on the couch reading this book and I'm like, I'm not giving her identity, the identity that she needs. Wow, that's my fault. Like, 
okay. And so in that moment, I was like, all right, how can I give her identity right now? And I engaged her for the next 10 minutes. All it was was 10 minutes in the way that I was like, man, I think this is actually what she needs. She completely shifted into a completely different child. And the thing that I had been dealing with for weeks that I didn't know what it was, was gone in an instant because she felt identity. And so... I'm just saying that this is, this is kingdom. <laughs> like this is what you search for with God and this is why you go and you want to be with God because you feel seen because he knows you and he knows your deepest emotions. And so wouldn't it make sense to do that with the people that you desire to be close to? Whether this is something you practice with your spouse, with your friend, with your connect group, you know, saying like, all right guys, tonight we're going to go through our core emotions. Like, doesn't this sound fun? And they're like, no. And you're like, no, it's going to be so fun. So um, I'm just telling you that this can actually change the way you do your life. And I know that this is different, right? When you're like, we have people here for, for conferences. And last year it was Pastor Joshua. And people are down and they're, sl- you know, slaying the spirit. And Addie and JJ thought Ariel died because she fell down. is epic. You know, so there's different kind of speakers. And there's different seasons of life. And there's a reason that they're here, right? And so you now have the opportunity to say, I'm going to apply this because I'm going to be a good steward. Who wants to be a good steward? It's kingdom, right? And so you have the opportunity to say, I'm going to steward this in my life. What does that look like? You don't just leave tonight and be like, that was good. That looks like you on the car ride home being like, how am I going to apply this? Are we going to do this tonight? Take a screenshot of the wheel or buy a wheel and say, I'm going to do this tonight. Even though I haven't read the book, I'm going to do this tonight. Apply it to your life. Otherwise, you're going to leave and you're going to be the same in another month, right? And then why were we even here, okay? So there you go. That's what I got to say about that. So, um, So as you leave, I would encourage you, buy a book, buy the playbook, read it by yourself or read it, be like, hey, I'm going to buy a book. My husband's going to read a book. We're going to read a chapter a week and we'll discuss it at the end of the week. I don't know what that looks like for you, but there needs to be a game plan because yes, there's audiobook. My dad did audiobook. I read the book. My mom read the book. Um, they also, they actually do um, counseling, coaching from a distance as well. So like they said, they're meeting with families. You can do that via Skype, via Zoom, contact them. I'm sure they'd be interested in doing that. But why don't I pray, yeah, as we close out this evening. So why don't you all just take a deep breath? <laughs> Be like, oh, this is good. So God, we're grateful that you gave us emotions, God. We are thankful for all of the emotions that you've given us. In the past, maybe we categorized them as bad. Maybe we said, oh, that doesn't feel good, that God. But we actually welcome the emotions that you've given us, God, because we believe you're emotional. And so we say thank you. We accept them, God, that you would help us be good stewards of these emotions, God, that we would um, check them with you, that we would be able to process them, God, that this would bring us into a deeper, intimate relationship with you. God, if we're married with our spouse, with our children, that there would be this new health emotionally within this house, God. And we just pray, um, if you just want to stretch your hands towards um, Dr. Glenn and Phyllis, God, we just pray favor over um, their calling, God, the anointing that you've placed upon their life and what they're doing, God, the voice that you have given them. We just hand them um, a megaphone, God. I just see them with a megaphone that it's going to go even further, even louder, God, that there would be such clarity um, in the things that they say that you would give them the right doors to go through, God, the right divine connections 
of how to get um, their their message that you have given them out, God. And um, we just pray for that. We pray for their family, for their kids, for their grandkids, God, that this would just be a generational thing, um, God, that's going to continue on um, and bring breakthrough for so many families. We thank you. We praise you. Amen. As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.